Hi, I'm Adrian. And I'm Olivia. And this is Political Food. Today, we're talking about Herzogis. A little cookie with big implications. They are a pastry base with a little bit of jam and a covering of coconut meringue. And they're amazing. I cannot tell you how amazing they are. Yeah, you especially. I ate so many of them. You were very taken with them. So when I tell people about the show, I keep using the phrase dissonant desserts. And I think that it's because of this dish. It's a tart from South Africa. And like everything else we've talked about on political foods, there's a couple of different stories behind it. And today, in a special episode, we're talking to historian Sarah Emily Duff. She's a researcher at WITS in Johannesburg, South Africa, the author of Changing Childhoods in the Cape Colony. Sarah has published papers in the Journal of Southern African Studies, the Journal of Colonialism and Colonial History, and more. But today, we're talking about cookies. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction, and I love the idea of dissident desserts. I think it's magnificent. And your blog, Tangerine and Cinnamon, um, on your about page, you say that you're taking a closer look at the complex relationship between eating and identity, between cooking and politics, and between food and power. And I just love that line. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad you do. It, uh, it, a lot of thought went into that line to explain exactly what the purpose of the blog is and why it's different from a lot of other food blogs. I mean, I've got no problem with blogs that are very different, that just focus on food or people's sort of emotional relationships with food, but I was interested in doing something a little different. And that's exactly what we're sort of trying to do as well. So it's really good to have you on the show. Thank you. So today, though, we're talking about Herzogis, and you mentioned before we were talking that we are not saying it correctly. How is it? Well, I'm actually saying it correctly. I mean, South Africa is a country with uh, 11 national languages. So many people in South Africa would also say Herzogis. But if you're Afrikaans and JBM Herzog, the prime minister after whom they're named, um, was Afrikaans, you, then you would pronounce them Herzogis. But Herzogis is fine too. So this is a traditional dish of Cape Malay cooking, is that right? Well, you know, as you said in your introduction, that the origins of this cookie are multiple and various. But one of the origins certainly of Herzogis, or at least we think one of the origins may be, in Cape Malay cooking. And this is the cooking of people who are largely the descendants of slaves who were uh, brought to South Africa mainly from South and Southeast Asia from round about the end of the 17th century to the beginning, the very early decades of the 19th century, and who settled in and around Cape Town. And this is a, a group of people who still describe themselves as being Malay, even though their origins come really from a large swathe of Asia, not only, Malay, uh, not only Malaysia, and who are largely Muslim, whose first language tends to be Afrikaans, although many people are bilingual and speak English as well. And they cook a very distinctive cuisine, which has its origins very obviously in South and Southeast Asia, but is also very closely connected to European culinary um, traditions, and particularly culinary traditions from Holland and from Germany and from other parts of Northern Europe. And that those are the countries where white settlers who arrived in the Cape Colony in the middle of the 17th century came from too. So they cook a kind of hybrid cuisine. Malay cooking, as I said, it, it has a sort of a distinctive flavor profile. It's sort of sweet and savory at the same time. And then a very, and then a range of 
really quite remarkable desserts and baking. Which brings us to Herzogis then. Indeed. <laughs> so now that we have a basic understanding of Malay cooking and culture, let's get into Herzogis specifically. Where do these, when or when, I should say, do these cookies originate? Well, again, that that is a question of where, where there could be many, many answers. They originate in the first half of the 20th century in South Africa. Um, you find recipes for them already in the 1920s and the 1930s. Um, and that period in South African history is called segregation. So this is before apartheid. This is the period between 1910 when South Africa becomes a union. It becomes one country firmly within the British Empire. It becomes a dominion within the empire like Australia and Canada. And 1948, which is when the apartheid government effectively is voted into power. And so this period between 1910 and 1948, we see the introduction of a lot of segregationist legislation, which kind of lays the foundation for apartheid. But it's also still a period of enormous possibility for people of color, that some people of color are still many, of course, only men are allowed to vote, for instance. Property owning is still more possible. Um, interracial relationships are also still more possible, and social mobility is also more possible. Um, black people can train as doctors, as nurses, as teachers, for instance, and move up the social scale, which isn't to dismiss the fact that this is a heavily racist society, that there isn't a government in control which is desperately trying to segregate society to an even greater extent, but it's a period of far greater possibility than under apartheid. The story of Herzogis then, I think, really speaks to that. Absolutely. So th this is one story I encountered. And this is, the blog post was inspired by reading a, a really wonderful book by um, Gabiba uh, Badarun, who is a poet and an academic. She wrote a wonderful book called Regarding Muslims. And she has a chapter devoted to recipe books about Malay cooking. And she uses the example of the Herzogi to kind of locate the position of Malay people, the rather complicated position of Malay people in relation to the segregationist government. And she quotes a story that during the 1930s, uh, there were a number of attempts to roll back the legislation which allowed for some black people, which included some Malay men, to vote in parts of South Africa. And of course, there was enormous amounts of agitation within uh, political groups and um, organizations against these efforts. And Herzog is supposed to have said to the Malay community that he would not support these efforts to take away the franchise from, from Malay people or from black people in those regions. And they invented the Herzogi almost in celebration of J.B.M. Herzog, this piece of pastry with jam, usually apricot jam, but other things too, uh, and then with this um, coconut meringue topping. Perhaps unsurprisingly, Herzog, who was a very conservative politician, who's the head of the National Party, in the end votes for the repeal of that legislation, and in fact enacts legislation over the course of the 1930s, which removes the vote completely from black people. And that then Malay people renamed these uh, Herzogi cookies uh, hypocrites to criticize Herzog. And, and in this telling, the, the Herzogi becomes a very good example of how a very marginalized and very poor group of people. And these are people who are the descendants of slaves who are members of a kind of art artisan class in, in and around Cape Town, how they can use cooking as a way of 
in a sort of subversive way, as a way of um, first expressing allegiance to a particular politician, and then as a quite a sharp criticism against that same politician. That's pretty amazing. I think that is a dissonant dessert in that way. Yes, it is totally a dissonant dessert. Yeah. J.B.M. Herzog, who's the prime minister at the time, was um, his main political rival was a man called Jan Smuts, who is far better known, I think, to people outside of South Africa. And he also had biscuits named after him, but without the meringue. So his were smuts cookies or smitsukis, and that was just pastry and jam. So that, you know, your, you could choose your, you could choose to show your political allegiances by what cookie you served at tea time, whether you were a member of Smuts's South Africa party, you would have Smuts cookies, which are a far more austere kind of cookie. Or if you're, a, you know, your allegiances are to the national party, then Hatsuchis instead. That's, and your blog, you say that they're almost the same cookie sometimes. Is that? It's, and, and yes, and then depending on the recipe that they are virtually interchangeable. <laughs> so this is what I mean by the kind of the fluidity of culinary traditions, of recipes that it's very difficult to pin these down and say, well, this was invented by this woman in this year in this kitchen. That in fact, these culinary traditions kind of flow, merge, change, and that um, and they continue to do so. And, I, and that's what I find so wonderful. Okay, well, thank you so much for being with us. Yes, if you do make them this weekend, be sure to send us a photo. <laughs> I will indeed. And thank you so much for having me. Find Sarah online at tangerineandcinnamon.com. An extended version of this interview, where we talk alternative histories, find out about the larger tradition of pastries named after South African heroes, and get a cookbook recommendation, all at politicalfoodshow.com. Now, let's make her thoughties. We used a recipe from the Food Fox as our base. You can find a link to that and details about what we did on our website. This recipe makes about 20 cookies. Or are they tarts? Okay, first things first, we clean the kitchen. Yes. The recipe is divided into making the pastry and making the meringue. We'll start with the pastry ingredients. And they are? Flour. Two cups. Granulated sugar. Three tablespoons. Baking powder. Two teaspoons. A dash of salt. A stick of cold butter. Three egg yolks. You'll use the egg whites for the meringue, so you can save those. And about three tablespoons of cold water. For the meringue, you'll need... Three egg whites. Granulated sugar. One cup. And shredded coconut. Two cups. You'll also need some jam. There's recipes that call for apricot jam. Which is what we used. Apple and others. We also made some with lemon curd, and they were amazing. Yeah. So beyond the ingredients, you're going to need an oven, a muffin tray, a mixer. Get your ingredients together. Take your three eggs and separate the yolks from the whites. And put those into separate bowls. Okay, so to trap the yolk, when you crack open the egg... So you're just transferring the yolk back and forth between the two halves of the eggshell? Yeah. You're going to want to tilt one half down to the bottom and let all the whites spill out. Oh, not all of it's going to come out. So just lightly transfer the yolk to the second half and allow the rest of the whites to fall. On to the baking. First, we'll make the pastry dough. Sift together two cups of flour. And we need flour. Three tablespoons granulated sugar and the two teaspoons of baking powder. Okay, Next, good. dice the butter. Cold butter works best and you can coat it with flour to keep it from sticking to itself while you cut. Add the butter to the dry ingredients and stir it around until the mixture becomes like breadcrumbs. You can also use a food processor for this if you have one. We didn't have one. <laughs> so yeah, good luck. Now, 
Add the three egg yolks and water. Mix until the dough has formed into a moldable ball. You can add more water if you need to. Take the dough, roll it out thin, and cut circles out. You can use the top of a tin can or a cookie cutter or something like that to get a good size. You want it to fit into the bottom of a muffin tray and form a small rim. Like a tiny pie. Place these cutouts in the muffin tray, shaping them like flat little bowls. At this point, you'll want to turn on the oven to preheat. You'll want to bake at 350 degrees Fahrenheit or 180 degrees Celsius. Now it's time to make the meringue. To do this, you're going to whisk the egg whites in a large bowl until they're soft. Now continue whisking while you're slowly adding sugar. You're going to do this until it's sort of stiff and glossy. This will take some time, so be patient. Once the mixture is thick, you're going to fold in the coconut. Now back to the pastries. <laughs> Put a teaspoon of jam into each of the uncooked pastry bowls that you've made. Then add a layer of the meringue on top of the jam. Add enough to cover it, but not too much. It will expand in the oven. Bake for 25 minutes, and you're done. All right, so we just finished spooning the egg white mixture on top with a little bit of coconut, and we're going to put them in the oven. Okay, 25 minutes and we'll have cookies. Hopefully. My family's only encounter with making them was a long time ago, and my sister was very little, and she decided to make them, and they all exploded <laughs> in the oven. I come from a very politically progressive family, and my mother just said, yeah, well, that's what happens when you bake conservative um, confectionery. It explodes. So I, I'll never forget us taking the tray out of the oven and sort of looking completely. She must have been about seven or eight and taking them out and looking totally distressed. <laughs> <laughs> exploded beyond anyway. Thanks for listening to this episode of Political Food. If you'd like to hear an extended version of the interview, find a printable version of the recipe, or see Olivia's photos of Herzogis, you can find that at politicalfoodshow.com. And if you make one of our recipes and you'd like to share your photos or suggestions, you can find us on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Political Foods. Thanks for listening. I'm Adrian, And I'm Olivia. Goodbye. Goodbye.